What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Before we dig into episode 17 of the Selected Podcast, I just wanted to drop a quick note and let you know this is an abbreviated, shortened version of the podcast simply because, well, quite honestly, my guest had to go be a good human being. Without further ado, episode 17. Ignition sequence start. Six, five, four, three, two, one. Zero. All engine running, 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 Welcome to the Selected Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Taylor, and clearly I'm taking this voiceover way too seriously. Well, all right, all right, all right, you have found it. This is the Selected Podcast. I am your host, Dan Taylor. And quite honestly, we are the droids you're looking for, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back. This is episode number 16, 17. I don't know. You're counting, not me. It is the day before St. Patrick's Day, so I'm hoping it's number 17 because you know what? We are celebrating St. Patrick's Day a day early here in London. What's up, ladies and gentlemen? How is your week going? Check this out. I have some amazing news And you know what? My guest, who is supposed to remain silent before I introduce him, but you know what? He can say something if he wants to. Today, I got my text message. My vaccination date is booked. March 24th. Now, look, you know what? I can see a stone-cold face on a look on his face. I'm hoping he's not one of these anti-vaxxer people. I don't know. Let's get into that. I'm going to ask him his opinion on that. But I have been scheduled to get, and you know what? I heard this one the other day. Well, didn't hear. I saw it on Facebook. The Fauci ouchie. That was a first for me. I hadn't seen that. I can see the look on on David's... Oh, Jesus, I gave his name away already. Well, this podcast is over. We might as well just call it right here. Listen, I'm going to get into it right away then. This gentleman is perhaps known for his bold and polarizing moniker, his words, not mine, the Digital Prophet. This chap is an Australian futurist, speaker, creative director, strategic digital consultant, sounds like a whole bunch of jargon to me, and an entrepreneur. He is an artist and one of the very few I've ever seen who's realized this talent and converted it to a truly valuable commodity in the business world. No shit. He specializes in advising clients about inventive, effective, and sustainable approaches to optimizing brand value within the digital landscape. And quite honestly, if you've ever had an interaction with one of your favorite brands on the internet, this guy has probably had something to do with it in one way or another. He is one of the most dynamic and entertaining stage presenters you will ever see. And in a green room backstage in Sofia, Bulgaria, he gave me one of the best pieces of advices I've ever received, and that is... Go where you are celebrated. Ladies and gentlemen, the man I want to be when I grow up, David Shing. <laughs> ah, Dan Taylor, Dan Taylor, Dan Taylor. Well, firstly, most people don't call me David. That was a hell of an introduction because I probably wrote that. And, uh, and thirdly, it's thrilled to see... There was a lot of copy-paste involved, you know? Yeah, I like, I like the longies, apparently. Um, and if I could join you for a... <laughs> A Guinness, I will, and we'll do it in person sometime soon, mate. Congratulations on your 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 prick. That'll happen in March. Uh, I'm booked then too, about 28th, I think, something like that. So I haven't had many guests compliment me and congratulate me on my prick, <laughs> so thank you. Did thank I say prick for... or did I say I meant you are one? <sighs> it's a good thing we're friends. I set that one up for you, didn't you did. I? You walked into it. I don't know what to tell you, man. It's you. 
Listen, you know, whether I'm the funny guy or the setup guy, whether I'm Gracie or George, I got no issues. You know, as long as it gets a laugh, as long as the people listening to this show just smiled and chuckled, if I'm the butt of the joke or if I'm the the delivery, I don't really care. I do not care. (laughs) I do miss seeing you, and I do miss miss seeing you... And your photogs. So hopefully we get to do that again all soon, huh? Well, the photogs. Do you know what's funny about that is, is uh, I tell you what, almost every single person I've had on the show, mm. co- coincident- I'm doing big air quotes, coincidentally has owed me mm-hmm. a favor, has been somebody that I've photographed. So, you know, when you go to selected.sesamers.com and sign up for their newsletter, the reason I get paid, and you see these beautiful podcasts on there, all of that artwork, it's all original artwork. This is like I got exclusive photos of everybody. And let me tell you what I was preparing for this show. And there's the shot that we did together, the digital profit shot, right? The, the hands mm. in front of the oh, face, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. the one that. that everybody has now. Well, guess what? The artwork for this show is the shot we did right before that one. That's right. the one nobody has. Right? <laughs> I don't think you've even seen it. Probably not. I don't think you've even seen it. You got you got a bogey in your nose. You got something stuck in your teeth. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and your glasses are all fogged up. That sounds about true. That, that's not really the truth. But wouldn't that be funny if I had that shot? Well, listen. Enough. Enough. Uh, enough banter. Let's get into chit chat. How's it going, brother? How How are you? I'm fabulous. Thanks very much indeed for asking, bro. It is. Yep. It is. It is uh, fabulous. I don't know what else to say. <laughs> it other is what than- it is. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I, I'd like to not be contrarian about this. I, I think the collective pause has been actually surprisingly needed. I mean, when we met, we, you and I were jumping on, on and off planes more times than most, and the reality is I needed to take a second, and I didn't expect we'd all at the same time. And I'd rather it be a little bit shorter than what we've taken because I miss mm. people like mm. you. Yeah. But at the same time, it is it is what it is, my brother, and we will we will continue to look forward, not backwards against this, in my opinion. Well, do you know what? That's really funny because a future guest that I'm planning on having, Kei Shimada, he just left IBM. He is one of the coolest people I know. Um, we were having a little chit-chat today, and, and he said something about looking forward to the, to the recording. And I said, well, it's better to look forward than look backwards. And he said to me, wait a minute, i got to bring it up. Hang on. So Kay said to me, in Japan, we always say, if you're going to fall over, fall forwards and never backwards. Well, I'll tell you, I don't know about you. Harper and I were talking about this last week. I miss a lot of things, but I sure don't miss airport security. I don't miss the stress of rushing through somewhere to get somewhere to be on time, hopefully being prepared, and in all reality, showing up eight-tenths prepared. So everything's wonderful for you. Everybody's safe and secure. The missus, the kiddo, London, the yeah, dog. Yeah, you know, yeah, you know, my, yes. Two things on the life front that have been incredible to, to experience. I've never really seen the seasons change in New York, which has been splendid mm. in the last dozen years I've been on the road. And I've never been so healthy because I'm not on a plane and it doesn't take 72 hours for the radiation to get out of my body and my body to sort of recompose. So from that side, it's remarkable. I've also traveled three times during COVID. And one of those times I missed a flight, ironically. So, right. we, we, you know, talking about being organized and fabulous. In the whole 12 years, I never really missed a flight. It certainly wasn't by me. And this was just a straight up boo-boo and I was an idiot. So it is what it is. Uh, and But it does allow me to think it's going to be more conscious of the way I think about travel moving forward, like all of us, man. But mm. I do also think it's just a, it's an, it's a fascinating time just to be able to 
uh, actually share something. You know, one of the things I've been concerned about when we all travel, particularly when, when I go to countries that are foreign, it feels like I could be anywhere, except they're speaking a different language. I think what's interesting about this is that it's truly one of those moments where you can, you know, rediscover where you want to actually have those experiences. So I'm pretty excited about that, to be fair. Yep, I hear you. I won't take it for granted. Yes. I myself have not left London for over a year now. Hmm. Fascinating, eh? <laughs> which is uh which is which is kind of a, a thing. I mean, uh I'm glad I'm in London. I love this city. I mean, for all the well, quite frankly, for all the shit that's going on here right now. Um you know, there there was just a uh, well, yeah, police protests over policing. Uh basically, I my personal opinion is the entire world is tired of sitting in a cage and they're pretty much ready for a revolution at any cost for any reason. So, I think the uh post-pandemic world is going to be a very exciting one. I mean, I you know, you and I and everybody else, I'm sure has seen all of these uh, you know, the Roaring Twenties were the Roaring Twenties for a reason. Well, <laughs> right. Jesus Christ, I mean, the 2020s are going to be off the fucking hook, you know? <laughs> so I don't know about you. I agree, so I don't know about you, but I have been brushing up on my DJ skills because I'll tell you what, I am the best goddamn bedroom DJ you've never heard. And when those parties happen, all the headliners are going to be headliners. But you know what? There's going to be the, there's going to be the need for the guy who either plays from 8 to 10 or 4 to 6 a.m. I'm that guy. <laughs> That's me. I'm that guy. I really am. So listen, Shingy, I'm going to call you Shingy because nobody calls you David, right? So so from no. here on out, you are Shingy. Right. One thing that I ask all of my guests is, what is your other? So for example, during the pandemic, I have learned how to, all of these beautiful guitars you see mm -hmm. behind you here, yeah. I, have take, I have taken them all apart. I have rewired them. I have restrung them. Some of them I have refretted. I have cleaned them. I have polished them. And I'm one stop short away from learning how to cut my own guitars and start making them. So what is the one thing that in the course of the year, when you haven't gotten on an airplane, what have you done? Two things, not one. Wow. And I've done both of them in, in tandem. I've learned to rake incredibly well. I have a property that has four acres. So I'm a great, I'm a great raker, evidently. And I've done that because, you know, I grew up in a Chinese restaurant, Dan, and what was amazing is that I... I would start in the morning preparing vegetables, and then I'd be the sh you know be with the rest of my brothers when we'd all be chefing at night. My sisters on one of ten, so we're all sort of interesting line cooks. But I used to chop vegetables to relax, so it's it sort of feeds my ADD. I wanted to learn to rake, and I'm not just talking about leaves raking. I, I rake this in you know we have this black gravel which I've raked and raked and raked. So it's very zen for me. I'm into a book called Wabi Sabi. You know when you break something, most of us just in this pathetic society throw it out but the idea of wabi-sabi is that when something is broken it becomes even more unique it becomes even more collectible so if i could do that for the 10 crappy iphones that i have that i've broken over my period it would be nice but the principles of wabi-sabi is something that i'm really intrigued by yeah i see i see your drawer full of them there's but it's, Air, you know, iphone 4 iphone 6 right there <laughs> i got a couple of those old widgets kicking around there too man but what's amazing from my perspective is you know the raking part of it is just it's just a really interesting release because it allows creativity to come in by doing this routine and it makes me feel like I'm contributing. And the other thing, which wasn't a contribution because I'm her horrendous at it, was I gave my daughter uh, a violin for her birthday when she was three and she uses it like a cello because she loves cello as her favorite instrument. 
So I've tried to learn to play her violin, which is absolutely horrendous. I'm a great guitar player, no doubt, but when it comes to violin, woohoo! No fun, man. No fun. Well, funny you mentioned the guitar. Mm-hmm. Come on, Shengi, lay it on me. <laughs> it's a melody. It's all yours. No, no, that's the last thing I'm going to do. This is not one of those podcasts for me, my brother. This is not Clubhouse. We are not coffee house boys trying to figure out how to do this. Oh, no, you can't ignore All right, all right, all right, all right. <laughs> all right, so, so you're my lead guitar player then, right? You're, the one, you're not <laughs> the backing vocals. <laughs> Yeah, right. yeah, you're gonna thank me for that, my brother. Well, well, you know what? That I, you know what? I'm super excited about this because at the age of four, my mother had the incredible foresight to put a cello in my hands. Oh wow! Cello, cello was the very first instrument I ever learned how to play, and I played that right up until the age of 18. And when I got to the age of 18, it was the: Do I want to be a singer? Do I want to be a cellist? Do I want to be a singer? Do I want to be a cellist? So I went to the Eastman School of Music in Rochester, New York. I auditioned on cello. I didn't get in. I auditioned on voice. I got a full scholarship. So pretty much made the... uh, Bob's your uncle. It's pretty easy. That was a pretty easy decision. There are many days when I wished I'd been a cellist. But You know what's interesting about that conversation, though, regardless of, you know, there's something about the cellos that the, the human, the, the closeness to the human tenor, which I think is beautiful, the way it makes you feel very comforted. Sure. I've been thinking about that with you know, with the speaking that I've done during the pandemic. People wanted to be comforted. And what's fascinating about that is I have this analogy where, you know, people have said to me, what, what, what do you, how do you equate where we are and what do you think about it? And I said, it's like driving a car for me, which I've had to learn to do because I, you know, have a property outside in New York and whatever it is. So I'm being, I've been on the beach about 120 days and in a row, which was spectacular. And that's either to <laughs> wow. see the sunrise or sunset with my daughter and very fabulous. But here's what's amazing about the sort of car analogy from my perspective, because it gave me comfort, which is, you know, we've been driving along happily and, and joyfully and suddenly the car stops, but without warning, no service lights. You know, we got fuel, apparently, no battery lights. I didn't run anything over. I'm looking in the rearview mirror to find out I didn't kill anything. I'm looking in the rearview mirror and I'm looking in the rearview mirror. And a lot of us have kept on saying... When we go back to normal or when we get back to where we were, my challenge is that's firstly, that's kind of a rubbish statement. And the first statement you'll go to, because human truth is what happened back there was really interesting. Uh, But then it sets in. You think, oh, this is going to be eight weeks or 10 weeks or whatever. This is going to be a time period that will allow us to pause. Can we take advantage of that time period? And can we use that as a reset? Because the world's quickly going to start to open again. And then in that three months or something that I took, it felt like I spent all my time at the dashboard. I looked mm-hmm. at the warning lights. I looked at the, the fuel. I tried to figure out how to get the radio station back on. I was looking at the review mirrors, not quite figuring out where we were, and then realized this is actually a bigger opportunity. The challenge is today, if I, if I think about it, is that while people are thinking at this dashboard, when you ask them to actually think about where they're headed, the only problem is they're really looking at the hood. They're looking at the bonnet. Mm. And they're looking at their peripheral vision when the car does start up and, and it slowly starts to allow them to, to get out of the sort of the pile of poo that they've been in. And now they're heading down the road, but they're still just looking at really the, the bonnet. The problem with that is this. This is not about normal. This is not about new. This is about forward. And that momentum has to be by finally understanding that as we do look beyond 
the, the current state of pause, it's the horizon where we need to fix our eyes and then start to look up again. And I see that as not because it's been in lockdown. It's because, you know, we've been kind of influenced by a number of different things that have been fascinating. And those things haven't been healthy, not all of them in tandem. And there's sure. been this homogenization, I think, of many of the cultural twists that we've taken on. Social media is a good example of that. The idea of looking at you know, Instagram has a particular bent to it. I remember switching my Instagram from color to black and white a few years ago because I wanted to use it as just another expression of a tool in my sort of my my pocketbook of things that I want to play with. You know, and I decided to retire from Twitter because I don't like to be baited. And then I thought, you know, what could Facebook be as a, as a place to connect with old friends? So you start, instead of publishing one piece of content everywhere, how do you take content and actually put it in, in places that makes it feel like it's authentic? And the one I didn't get was TikTok. And the reason why I, I, I've been saying this for a long time, Dan, if you've ever heard me speak, is that I believe that closed networks is where intimacy happens. You and I together, person to person, texting if we need to, WhatsApping or WeChatting elsewhere, emailing as mates. Those sort of things create intimacy. And I thought that the closed networks was was really going to be where it stayed until TikTok. And really, that is just about expression. Mm. And that's about meme culture. And people who are in there creating really interesting content makes me think, you know, there is a place for it. It is going to be interesting. However, producing content at the speed of culture is incredibly difficult. And that's one thing we're going to have to rationalize is as people start to consider themselves in this new forward what does that mean when they've when they've been playing in these places where they've had time, and you know how do you not waste it, and how do you actually use it as an opportunity to really kind of express differently? So that's what I've been I've been thinking about, and and when I get back to comfort, comfort is something that's really important. I mean, you've got the good fortune of sitting here and guzzling on a, a Guinness that sounded absolutely <laughs> delicious and crisp. I can tell mm. what you're drinking even without seeing it. Mm. The it's you know the multi fabulousness of that it, it creates comfort. And with every brand that I've spoken to in the last 12 months, and I've had the good fortune of speaking to a bunch of CMOs, one of the through lines that I've been looking for when I speak to them in the green room, really, is what is the thing that is consistent here? And the one thing that is overwhelmingly consistent is nostalgia. Yeah. There's something about comfort. You've spent the time unpacking all of your guitars and rebuilding them. You've spent time understanding what the craft of voice again is like as somebody who you know, had a scholarship in singing. Right. So, you know, what's amazing about comfort and nostalgia is that you may be drinking Guinness because it's something you grew up with, you enjoy drinking socially and can control. Or if you look at others... <laughs> I'm totally out of control. <laughs> and the reason for that is nostalgia is just something that... You know, I spoke to a lot of brands that understand, are they launching new brands in this time? Some of them said no because they have issues just with fulfillment of the brands that they currently have. Or more importantly, there's demand for brands in their portfolio that are really just about comfort and really just about nostalgia. And I, I really love that premise. Well, yeah. And this is, this is something, uh, I think, yeah, it must've been last summer, right? The, that showed up on my radar, the, the Danone thing, they did the, uh, order punnets of ice cream and have them delivered by drone. And that's yeah. all about nostalgia, right? I mean, because ice cream, summer comfort. Absolutely. That was actually Ben and Jerry's that did that. So that was pretty That's amazing. That's what I said. Ben and Jerry's. I'm going to cut yeah. that back in. <laughs> and if you flip it the other way, the you know the other brand who competed in that space was Hagen Dahls, and what they've done is that they've started to deliver ice cream not in the not in the paper punnets that you see typically, but in these um, double walled aluminium cans. So the idea is that you can reuse them. So there's a sustainability oh, right. factor to it. Nice. And you know it's interesting when you think about it. The principles of 2019, 2020, we all worried about the planet boiling, the ocean cooking. And then if you think about the last 12 months, 
that collective consciousness has gone out the window because none of us will touch anything unless it's wrapped in plastic 20 times and comes in a goddamn big box. Right. And so there's this kind of conflict of consciousness that we've had. I think as the world starts to understand that we're in a place that is different and we can control what that difference means, how are we actually going to come back to the values that we care about? Because that's all went out the window when we thought about what our, what our day-to-day was going to be. So we need a, we need a wider consciousness is what I'd say. Mm. You're talking about the closed networks, the intimacy. Mm. Um, that reminds me of arguably your launch into superstardom, right? In 2014, let's say, uh-huh. you, you did the MSNBC interview. Oh. <laughs> and I <laughs> On watched the cycle that. or whatever it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And I yep. watched that. And uh, lo and behold, I mean, a lot of people say they're futurists, right? Ladies and gentlemen, this guy actually is a futurist because <laughs> in 2014, I'm going to go with, uh, he was on MSNBC, massive network, viewed by millions, and he accurately predicted that we are heading towards a future of less connections and more intimate digital social circles. I mean, this is the guy mm. who evangelized defriending people. Yeah. So, yeah. And, and, and actually, hang on, wait, wait, I have this in my notes. Wait, wait, shuffling paper. <laughs> the quote is, brands that help calm the noise help us become better humans. Well, did I say that? You did say that. Well, good for me. <laughs> according, according to my notes. According to my notes. Yeah. And my question for you, Shingy, is mm. seven years later, I still, you know, I was talking about this with Harper last week. I still have to log on, and I do because I log out every time I do it. I have to log in to Facebook every day just to check my the, the, the bell in the top right corner just to make sure I haven't missed any. Yo, dude, where were you on the Zoom call? We missed you last night. Hey, there's this thing going on this weekend. You know, so how do I bridge the gap between staying connected with my friends and my peeps who want to socialize, but they're still... Yeah, and maybe it's maybe it's an age thing. It's maybe because I'm old. I don't know. I mean, the old people are on Facebook these days, right? So, where seven years now has that really happened, or no? Mm, I would say it has, because you're. If anybody that I know that has a sort of collective consciousness have done an audit and they've figured out where they're going to spend their time, so it's not the same piece of content everywhere. And I use that kind of as the as the baseline. But if you truly have those discussions, and by the way, you know this when we speak to large crowds. If I ask the question. Who has an Instagram? All the hands go up, and who asks them mm. whose is closed? A lot of the hands stay up, and uh, that for them is that there's right. an intimacy there in that it's a closed net. We're not not everyone's open like you and I are, mm-hmm. but at the same time, everyone is curious. So they are spending time in these places where they feel like there could be intimacy. And by the way, if you do check where people are spending most of their time, it still it still goes towards the private for sure. So it's going to be SMS. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. going to be those closed networks, except for places, as I said, like TikTok. TikTok's going to have a wall up it, for sure. Yeah. And it needs to do that because of when it acquired musically and it was a younger audience, blah, blah. There's, so there's a number of things that it'll, it'll have to actually figure itself out anyway. But my, my point is the time that you're spending are actually in places that you feel like you're connecting, but it feels kind of local to your own hemisphere. Mm. And what I think what's happened, particularly in the last 12 months, is that although mobile minutes have gone up and time spent in front of watching television, I guess, the reality is it's that's all about release. But when we think about productivity, that productivity is going to happen in this circle where humans want to be closer. Mm. But what I do yep. think is interesting, and what I do think is interesting is can you continue to make sure that can you use these tools to make you a much better conversationalist and better connected human as opposed to somebody who feels disconnected? I'm still very concerned about that for the kids, but I'm less concerned about it um, now 
because we know what it feels like. By the way, you yeah. know, if you think about bedtime reading for kids has gone up almost like a thousand percent. People generally are reading more books than ever before, which is also very promising to me. And when you think about, you know, the, the whole baking experience, people who haven't been able to sort of cook a turd in the past can actually turn around and build incredible sourdough or pasta from from scratch. You know, I know, man, it's brutal. Well, well, listen, <laughs> I, I, I won't I won't comment on this uh, size thirty two waistline suddenly becoming a size thirty four waistline. Mm. Uh, I don't know about that. But listen, you did, however, just loop me back to one of the primary questions I wanted to get out of this whole interview, mm. which was, or is, shall we say, late 2019, after a decade of being part of one of the, after a decade of being the rock star, one of the biggest media players on the planet, you called it a day. Yeah. You walked away, right? Yeah. I mean, I know you're a futurist, but honestly, Shingy, did you see this fucking pandemic coming? What the hell did you know, man? What did oh, you know? I didn't, but you know what's crazy? In 2019, <laughs> in September of that year, I traveled to Dubai to talk about the future of work to one of the largest uh, HR conferences in the region. And I, firstly, when they asked me to speak, I'm like, why are you asking me to speak? I'm not, I'm not in HR. Mm. I'm probably more of an HR nightmare than I've ever been in the past and say, <laughs> you know, than somebody on your side of the tracks. And they said, we just want people that think different. And I said, so let's think about that. And what I really talked about, Dan, were things which I thought were definitely going to happen, but in a time period that was much further away than we were. It turns out the vast majority of people hate their job. Um, it turns out, particularly in the US, that people feel guilty about taking vacation, which is their earned right to sort of take time off and pause and actually feel like they're restored. Mm -hmm. You know, And if you think about this, some of those things that were just based on human truth it, it's crazy because the things that I did talk about are happening now and they're happening in a, but they're happening and I didn't know it was going to be a pandemic, but I just thought it would be kind of this, this wake up that would happen slowly and move industry to industry and vertical by vertical. Not everybody suddenly jam on the brakes and march and suddenly feel like they're out of control on this highway. But it, it no, I couldn't have seen it happen, but I, I really do believe that if technology does, move the human condition forward, then I'm a big believer in it. And mm. I wasn't seeing that happen. Mm. So what's going to happen, mate? If you think about it, you know, Zoom fatigue is for real. We're on a different platform today than Zoom, but there are so many of we them. We call it Zoomitis here. Oh, sure. Absolutely. I mean, there's so much of it. <laughs> and even, it's very hard now to have these social get-togethers with friends over Zoom because we're all fatigued on it. However... Which is why we're doing a podcast and it's audio only, <laughs> right? I'm actually sitting here with no pants on right now, but mm, you don't know I've that. I've noticed. Oh, oh I, shit. I know that. Damn it. <laughs> it's, the, it's the constant on webcam in the corner. But, you know, I think it's interesting. It is interesting to think about it's just some of these principles that, again, it comes down to this whole, uh, we, we were homogenized and pushed into a, some spaces of either the work conditions. So, for example, this whole idea of open open work plan, that doesn't really work for people. Right. What you'll find is you're doing all this FaceTime with people or you're doing all this time as a collective group in a room, but you're not necessarily being productive. So most of your work's happening when you're either on your commutes or it's happening in channels where you should be actually back to being more focused on your family or yourself or other things that you care about. But the, the sort of the work paradigm is sort of taken out of control. And when I was really – I was really – impressed by Siemens by, you know, middle of the year last year, they just came out and said, hey, we don't care where you work, how you work, we just want the work done and it, you can time shift in any way that you want. And I thought that's incredible for a, a really large 
for to a massive organization. Yeah. To make, yeah. And, and yeah. for them to take that confidence moment, it was even before some of these sort of fast moving Silicon Valley companies to make that decision. But mm. it's, you know, anyway, so look, to answer your question, no, I didn't see this coming, but I definitely have put myself in the, the shoes of being a student. And so what were the things that I care about? And could I push on those topics enough to see whether that's a collective consciousness head nod or whether I'm way off base? And I'm okay if I'm way off base. So one of the reasons why I decided to leave one of the largest media companies around was simply because I wanted to not just be the educator. I wanted to be the student. I want to learn. And that's incredible for me. And it's very difficult to do that as an output machine and pretend, you know, pretend you've got the the wherewithal to try and sort of sustain that. But there, there comes a point when you really do need to sit and pause and listen. And I got to spend some time in places where I'd normally present, bounce, and get out of there as quickly as humanly possible. And I'd come down from presenting and I'd sit and I'd learn. And it's yeah. f- fascinating what happens when you actually shut up for a moment, yeah. open your ears, and actually understand how the orchestra is actually playing and not just thinking you're just part of it. Yes, I totally agree. And I think this is one of the reasons why you know, the pandemic, yeah, it's it, as a photographer, as a live events photographer, fuck yeah, it's been really difficult for me for the first, let's say, six months or so. But I, much like you, I took a step back and I said, wait a minute, you know what? I have spent almost a decade listening to speakers on stage. Let me go back through and figure out what, you know, what have these people been saying? And, and I came to realize, shit, I actually have quite a knowledge base and quite a contact base of things to go forward with. And when you say that you wanted to become the student, I think, in my, my humble opinion, that is actually the mark of a true master. And, and when I was getting ready for this podcast, I thought about that. And, and the one example that came to my mind, and I'm going to put you in serious rock star territory here, watch this, Neil Peart the drummer from Rush, arguably the greatest drummer rock and roll has ever seen. All right, the Led Zeppelin, John Bonham fans are really going to hate on me right now for this one. But Neil Peart at the, let's say, pinnacle of his career. I mean, this man can play, he can play 6-4 on one hand, 5-8 on the other, 2013 on another hand. But at the pinnacle of his career, he took a step back and he said, you know what, I want to learn a different way of playing. You know, I've got this 52-piece drum kit around me, but I want to learn how to play it like Gene Krupa did. One, of, you know, arguably one of the the greatest drummer before Neil, and he yeah. spent uh, three to four years studying with one of Gene's uh, uh, coaches, and he basically reinvented himself. So if you ever watch Rush, and and I am a big nerd, and of course I'm a big big fan of Rush, you know, pre, oh, gosh, I don't know, let's say pre 2010. You know, he's he's playing in one style and post he's got, you know, instead of going the overhand drumstick, he's doing the underhand. He's doing that jazz style. And I watched an interview with him and he said, yeah, I basically got to the point where I had basically learned everything I could learn and I was getting bored. So I stepped back from everything that I had known and relearned how to play the drum kit. And that was my my thinking when I was reading about you and saying, hey, stepping away from from what I was doing, being a content output to being a, a student again, you know, and, and so I think that is really one of the greatest things that any master can do is realize that once you've reached mastery, it's time to become the student again, which leads me into the youth of today, Shingy. What are you, so you're, you're no longer with Verizon, you're no longer with AOL, mm-hmm. you're no longer with right. all, all of that. 
What are you doing now? You have a daughter. You clearly have the future literally in front of you every day. Talk to me about what you're doing now. So there, you know, the, the things that I, I mentioned when I left was that I really just wanted to play this go around as a portfolio. So can I do a number of different things that I really care about and subjects that I care about? There's a common thread to those, by the way, sustainability and humanity. But the truth is, can I do this? Can I do this as a portfolio? Can I play this this session go around and do a number of different things? And why do that? Because I'm a polymath like you. There's I have a number of different subjects that I care about, a number of different talents that I hope I I can actually uh, tap into. And it's very hard to do that if you're going to say stay in the one sort of orientation. So I really just wanted to do it. And a lot of what I've been doing the last twelve months is be a practitioner. So I've been you know helping literally reboot brands or build brands as as crazy as booze to biotech and it's really wide and it's i don't see the difference I'm, there and it's not even something that i'm <laughs> <laughs> and it's not and therein lies the problem and so what's amazing from my perspective is it's it has allowed me to come you know come full circle and why do i like being a practitioner truthfully mate you know, I'm a designer by trade and I did like a three-year degree in 12 months because I really wanted to get into the industry as quickly as humanly possible because I'm a, I really wanted to get into the visceralness and be a practitioner again. So I really enjoyed um, the full circle of it all and just enjoying uh, the, the, the ability to understand the things that I do like and don't like about the process and go deep in the subjects that I care about. And it could be as simple as, you know, Helping to reboot, you know, reboot QR code is one of the things I'm focused on to make them, a, 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 you know, a counter this dormant, beautiful technology that's been around for 10 years. You know, in 2012, I used to have a business card that had an NFC chip and a QR code. Nobody gave a shit. Nobody had the technology or an app to actually engage with it. You see that scar right there? You need a little chip in there, buddy? I got a little chip in there. Of course yeah, I do. of course you do. Every time I go through the London Underground, I just pass my <laughs> hand over that and people go, whoa. Of course I do. <laughs> But when you think about these things, you know, the contactless connection, for it's not going to go away. So how do you participate in ways that feel like it's it's more pointed and not just sort of this flat experience that we've experienced in the last 10, 20 years of that technology being around? So that's one big thing for me. And the other thing is, you know, just thinking about uh, just thinking about what that contribution is. So what are the subjects that I care about? Some of it's tech-related. Some of it's real-world brands. It's just about getting back to it. At the same time, though, making sure that I'm not overly indexing on things like technology and I'm not just focused there. So, you know, I was screen free with my daughter right up until the pandemic. And, you know, that turned shitsville pretty quickly. But (laughs) at the same time, at the same time, I'm incredibly conscious that she understands that it's there's a time and an effort for that. And then there's a time and an effort there isn't. And I'm retraining myself. Yeah. Now, do I feel like that needs to be done? Uh, you know, I think that the generation that she is, and she's four years old, is going to be far more intact and far more conscious than were the ones that who currently been forced upon that. The average age mm. of a kid that gets a smartphone in first world countries is eight. Mm. I think that's way too young for developmentation. And if I think about when people start to express themselves, it's hard, man, to think about how do you keep up with the speed of culture when that's what the society demands. So we're going to have this sort of mental health issue that we have to deal with in this burnout experience that we have to worry about. Yeah, yeah, mm. yeah. Are you hearing those dings in the background? I'm hearing, listen, mate, I'm, I'm on my like fourth beer. I'm, I'm hearing a lot of dings in the you background. You are the ding. <laughs> I'm, I'll tell you what, man, hop to pop hop. I'm hearing a lot of dings in the background. <laughs> no, uh, I'm, I'm hearing a little bit of low low frequency rumble. So if you have a low high pass filter, you might want to apply that. But listen, I do want to. I do. 
<laughs> I do want to talk a, a lot more about what you're doing, but we have to take a break. We've got to get our sponsorship message in, which brings me to ah, 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 Shingy. It is time for the lightning round. Are you familiar with the lightning round? Of course you're not. I'm what not. the lightning round is, as I'm going to ask you six, maybe seven, uh, rapid fire questions. Answer without thinking as succinctly uh, as you can. Are you ready? I am. Was that a good drum roll? Yes. Canon, Nikon, Sony, Fujifilm, Leica, or Hasselblad? Leica. Sucker. What is the worst part of your job? Podcasts. Asshole. How long <laughs> does... <laughs> hey, man, your question is not mine. How long does it take to prepare your hair in the morning, and what products do you use? About two seconds. In the last 12 months, no product. You're way too close to the microphone. Back away. <laughs> What is your greatest fear? Deep water. What is the most important factor when building a community? Trust. Best live music event you've ever been to? Michael Jackson, Bad Tour, 1988. Front row. Yeah, on the shoulders of a touring family from the US. It was kind of wow. amazing. Yeah. All right. Drum solos, yes or no? Yeah. Peter Chris, Kiss, of course. The answer was Neil Peart. Ladies and gentlemen, that <laughs> brings the conclusion of the lightning round. Stick with us. We got a couple important messages from our sponsors. We'll be right back. Or not. Studies have shown that direct earball advertising is three halves more effective than either video or print. So whether it's out on a run with Raph or falling asleep with Phillies, your highly targeted message could be right here. Talk to me at dan at selected.sesamers.com. We are back. Ladies and gentlemen, if you're just joining us, which I know you're not, we're talking to David. Oh, I'm not supposed to call him David. Shingy, <laughs> one of my coolest, coolest friends with the best hair, arguably better hair than me. And before we broke... We were talking about the future, namely Shingy's four-year-old daughter, who does not have a smartphone, correct? God, no. And she, does not. Not, and she does not have an iPad. She's not nannied by the iPad, I hope. No, 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 no. And are you in the flat in New York, or are you in the property outside of New York right now? Outside of New York. Because I can hear an airplane going over. Yeah, can you? <laughs> That's brilliant. I yeah. love it. I love it. So Shingy has been out uh, raking his garden this morning, uh, <laughs> entering the Zen state. But I did want to talk to him. Him? Why am I talking about you in the third person? You're right in front of me, sort of. Um, Shingy is. He has stepped away from the corporate world. He's focusing more on the future, aka the kids, these days. And Shingy, one thing I wanted to talk to you about was Womo Universale. Right. Mm. So in an interview with Advertising Week, I guess uh, just about a year ago now, uh, you mm -hmm. commented, when you're in a workforce and you're thinking about where your development goes, you have the ability to go from somebody who specifically does something to being someone who generally does something. And that's where curiosity becomes amazing. And that, my friend, really struck a chord with me. And I'll tell you why. Because when I was in high school in 1990s, I had a music teacher who said to me, you will never be great at anything because you're too good at many things. And honestly, in 1990s, that was an ego killer. That yeah, crushed 
crushed my yeah. spirit, right? Yeah. And that has stuck with me for so many, 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 many years until, I don't know, five, six years ago, uh, I was shooting something, who knows, wherever, and I'm backstage talking, probably, and I'm backstage <laughs> talking to you, and I, you know, and we're having a conversation, and I realized, like, okay, hey, hey, here's this guy who knows, like, he knows what's up. He knows the internet. He 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 does the shit. And all of a sudden, it kind of dawned on me. I was like, you know what? Maybe the being good at too many things is actually the talent that I have, right? So what what am I? What my question for you is 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 this something that we're seeing in the upcoming working force? Like, do we need specialists anymore, or does everybody need to sort of have their fingers in every little pie and be able to do six, twelve? different things yeah you still need to have depth so you need to have something that you want to peek at something that you really want to be known for but you Mm -hmm. really want to go wide at the same time so when i spoke to a bunch of kids in graduation for you know um hang on one second hang on is that is that the future yeah oh yeah i have to take over the babysitting um at three so i've got two minutes but let me just say this (laughs) yeah and thanks for having me (laughs) But what I wanted to say was, <laughs> and we can pick up again on this later if you want, but I, I had to get extra care just for this today anyway. Um, okay, so what I wanted to say was it's great it, to, to have a pointed point of view is really important. But when I spoke to a bunch of kids through graduation this year and I, I, I spoke to some designers, I said, you know, in this time, don't use it to continue to study design. Be more lateral. Go and study associated design, like urban architecture or landscaping or things that actually matter to problem solving around the definition of design don't just become a better practitioner of what you already know because the subject matter expert is great but you really do need to be a better generalist in my mind sure listen ladies and gentlemen we are going to cut this podcast super short because shingy is a dad god bless him i myself have never been brave (laughs) enough to take that leap i can hear the future off in the distance there she is shingy i got a couple questions left for you what is the one question that you had always hoped somebody would ask you, but they never have. Uh, would you have children? Chingy, would you have children? No. Of course. <laughs> Evidently. <laughs> Evid- Evid- they really, they really. The, the wife said, I want a kid or I want a divorce. Well, there we have it. You're still married, and there she is. No, the pointed questions are, truthfully, the questions that I do really do like, uh, things around kind of, you know, what, what's going on in life that would make you do something a bit different. Yeah. So if you asked me 10 years ago when we met, would I want to have kids? The answer was no way because I'm really enjoying life as it is until it happens to you. And then you get to change your perspective. And so it's been an enlightening perspective change, which, by the way, everyone tells you until it happens to you. Sure. You're like, oh, shit, why didn't I realize this earlier? It's because you didn't have ears for it. So there's that. What are you most looking forward to? I'm really looking forward to the, the end of this. But more importantly, what I'm really <laughs> looking forward podcast. to. On a, yes, indeed. <laughs> what I'm really looking forward to is just the ability to hug people and yeah. enjoy a great conversation without fear, without this constant state of fuzziness, as I call it. Mm. So if I can remove myself from that, there's a lot of dynamics we're dealing with, mate. It's like, how, am I, how can I be a, a, an incredibly present papa? How yep. can I be an incredibly present lover to my honey? How can I make sure that I can be an incredible father to our family? And then how am I good and be present to the things that I do in my vocation? All of those things, and those four dynamics in the last year have been incredibly hard to manage. And the last bit, how can I be good to myself, has been last. So mm. what I'm really looking forward to is actually spending more time 
really focusing on myself and not selfishly, but in a way yeah. that allows me the inside out, the other way around. And truthfully, you know, as much as I like being a Skylark, mm. uh, you know, I don't take myself too seriously. I take my work seriously, but I do want to take myself more seriously. You hear London in the background? She's enjoying this conversation. She's like, can you shut the hell up, dude? You're wasting my time. I, was just I need to go s- pee like a race dog. <laughs> I was just going to say, I can hear I can hear London in the background. I won't even ask you the last question. Shingy, take us out. Tell us where the old folks like me can find you on the emails if you want. Oh, tell the kids sure, where they sure. can find you on the social means. <laughs> and tell me where I can find you on, let's say, TikTok, maybe? Oh, yeah, I know. I'm a, I'm a lurker in TikTok. I'm D- uh, David Shingy at Instagram if you want to check out my black and whites. But if you want me via email, I'm always at Shingy everywhere else. So um, David at Shingy.com, blah, blah, blah. Or just ping Dan. Or ping London. Isn't this great? (laughs) Or just spam me. I'll connect you with Shingy. (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, this man has to go be a good dad and a good dog owner. This has been the Selected Podcast. I am your host, Dan Taylor. And until next week, I am out of here.